Welcome to the ID10T Podcast. This is episode 934. Um, I would like to very quickly say that I'm performing in Oxnard this weekend at Levity Live with a Mike Furman and also an April Richardson. So uh, go to levitylive.com to get tickets. It'll uh, be Friday and Saturday. That's the 23rd and 24th of February. Uh, Katie, do you have anything on the community corkboard? Which people can send corkboard at id10t.com. Yeah, I got a couple cool things well, that people sent them. to that email. What? Fantastic. Ken Border writes, I am currently a writer and the content manager for a geek website called mammothgamers.com. And I would love for your listeners to check us out. We are an all-volunteer writers who just love to write about the things that make us happy. In this case, it's video games, comic books, and all the geek your heart can handle. So again, that's mammothgamers.com. And then Tony Price writes, My wife, a teacher, and I, a web designer, started a thing aimed at our plant-based and vegan communities called Grizzly Goods. So far, we have some cool shirts, pins, and stickers for our fellow animal lovers, as well as my wife's unique or origami mixed media artwork shirts come in youth and adult sizes we're just starting out so it's still part-time but we're hoping that some folks out there might be interested in what we have so you can head over to grizzlygoods.com and they're also on twitter and instagram at grizzlygoodsltd fantastic uh this episode is jesse plemons who i uh, had the pleasure of meeting i don't know maybe like three three months ago I went to SNL for the first time, like to watch a whole SNL, and he was there, and uh, we uh, recognized each other and said hi, and then hung out, and he was fucking awesome. <laughs> so he came into the podcast, and uh, and he's great. And the the movie he's in right now is Game Night. He's great in everything, but Game Night, which is uh, 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 Jason Bateman is in it, Rachel McAdams is in it, and uh, and also Jesse Plummer, a bunch yeah. of people in it. It's a, movie is fantastic and it's in theaters february 23rd february 23rd that is from the posting of this episode tomorrow so go see it go to a theater have an irl experience with a movie instead of just watching stuff uh in your home take the time go park be a community i say these things because i'm trying to learn to do that more too katie it's important. It's, it's important so to get alluring off your phone and to stay go outside. And yeah, go outside, get in the elements. Yeah. I know it's cold in a lot of places. Well, here it's more like my holdup is I don't want to sit in traffic. And a lot of times I'm like, I don't want to drive there. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I can get but out. then you'd get there and you're like, oh, this was worth it. I yeah, it's worth it. It's more. worth it once you go. So yeah. please, please, please go see Game Night. Uh, Jesse's great in it. Um, this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. A business is only as strong as its people. Every hire matters when you're doing a business. Trust me. So don't settle for posting and hoping the right person is going to find your role and apply. You post to job boards and you hope you're going to find the right person for your job. But how often do you actually check job boards? For most people, it's a very occasional thing. But with LinkedIn, uh, people go there daily to grow professionally, explore job opportunities. 70% of the United States workforce is on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm sure you – obviously, you've heard of LinkedIn. I would assume you've heard of it. Uh, you can ask any of the hundreds of thousands of businesses who have posted LinkedIn jobs over the past year how they uh, have had their experiences with it. And because LinkedIn considers skills, location, experiences, and more, uh, they're going to match and promote your job to deliver the best candidates imaginable. Businesses rate LinkedIn jobs 40% higher than job boards at delivering quality candidates. 22 million professionals view and apply to jobs at LinkedIn every week in every industry – Industries like yours, industries like mine and Katie's. If you're not using LinkedIn, you are missing out. Go to linkedin.com slash ID10T and get a $50 credit toward your first job post. That's linkedin.com slash ID10T. That's ID in the number 10 and T 
for $50 credit today. Terms and conditions apply. This episode also brought to you by Masterclass, which I am so I am so excited about Masterclass for various reasons. Uh, so Matt, if you haven't seen it, basically you can learn just about anything from masters in that field. And these are masters that you have heard of too. So I'm talking about like cooking from Gordon Ramsay or photography from Annie Leibovitz or basketball from Steph Curry. That is what masterclass is. I am excited for the Steve Martin one. Uh, I'm getting the Steve Martin one. Uh, I'm going to watch that. He does one on comedy. Um, they're, They're all online classes taught by the best people in the world, people that you would want to learn from. Each class is shot with cinematic production quality and offers on demand lessons loaded with exclusive content that you will only find on Masterclass. Um, there's over 30 masters. Uh, there's cooking, screenwriting, filmmake, filmmaking from Scorsese. Oh my God. What else do you, <laughs> do you? I mean, you would pay thousands of dollars to go watch that if someone said, "Hey, go. You want to go see Martin Scorsese talk about directing?" Yes, I do. Uh, so, with the new All Access Pass, you can unlock every class from over 30 masters, all for the price of two. ID10T listeners can get the All Access Pass at masterclass.com/id10t. Learn from the best in the world at masterclass.com slash ID10T. And now here's the ID10T podcast number 934 with Jesse Plemons. Katie, it's your time to shine, kid. Initiating ID10T protocol. to this house that was like I forget what it's called it's in it's in Glendale it's this huge mansion that was built for for an Italian silent film actor no where what is it I'll have to get the name of it but it's incredible I went to some party up there but there's some nice houses in like the hills of Glendale some really old snazzy houses up there yeah there's like weird Huge taxidermy in there. And... <laughs> uh-huh. 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 Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, my wife it's and I the have vibe. the same weird taste, and I did not marry someone who was like, "You got to get all your dumb shit out of here." Like she that's had the good. same amount of dumb shit. Okay. Like that's a prop from Twenty Eight Days Later, and that's hers. Whoa! So that's cool. I feel like we should move that out of here because we've been doing podcasts in here for a while because I'm renovating another house where the podcast studio is going to be. And someone saw the other tax and everything. They're like, is that a real chimp head? And we're like, no. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Like, we just have a chimp head with its exposed brain in the dining room. Uh, yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm always kind of worried if people see the taxidermy and they're like, what the fuck are you guys into? (laughs) Uh, It's just, we just like old weird things. What part of town are you in? We're in Toluca Lake. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. that's great. It's a great part. It would have been very close, but we just came from like the Yahoo Facebook complex over and like, it was very far away. Is so it, I'm like is it driving Santa Monica over here or Beverly Hills? Past or... all like Playa Vista. Oh, Playa Vista. Oh, they're out there where the YouTube space is? I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's all. That's it's out like by LMU. New Silicon Valley up there. It is. Yeah, YouTube built their studio out there because I think they 
it was a bunch of people who didn't really it was northern california people who were like oh playa vista i mean it's only like 10 miles from, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. like, but <laughs> It's like it's getting there is sort of like that last scene in Shawshank where he's like crawling through <laughs> yeah. the sewage. It, there's just no easy way to get there. So it's yeah. like an hour fifteen, no matter how you look at it. Yeah, uh, we got we watched Game Night that, that game night last night. It was fucking great. You dug it? Yes. Cool. You're great in it. Thanks, man. That was Thank so much you. fun. Thank you. Um. We we've already started recording by the okay. way. So this there's no Wonderful. it's a soft entry into like this that. into this thing. But uh I was actually gonna I, I'm glad you're doing this because I actually when we hung out in New York a couple months ago, I'm like, oh, Jesse would be really great on the podcast. And then your name came up. Well, perfect. Yeah. Well I'm glad. Thanks for doing it. Yeah, man. We never got you on talking bad. We never got to we never got to talk breaking bad with you. I know. It's some something about Todd. I think that's for the best, though, Todd. <laughs> Just leave it, leave it open. Todd doesn't need to say anything else. <laughs> He's done enough. He's, has he not done enough? <laughs> yeah. You know, he he tried real hard. <laughs> yeah. He tried real hard. You can't say he didn't try. He didn't try. There was a certain logic <laughs> to him, but. The unpacking of Todd was so interesting because he just seemed like, no, oh, he's just like this sweet kid. And then you start getting more and you're like, oh, he's kind of a serial killer, almost a serial killer. Oh, he's almost a white, he's kind of a white supremacist. Oh my God, what the <laughs> fuck? And then by the end of it, it's just like, he's, a, he's kind of a monster. Yeah, murderous Opie. <laughs> yeah. I think Opie became murderous Opie. There's no way that kid... Did not grow up to be a murderer. Yeah, yeah. His father was a cop. That's true. He knew how the law worked. There was no mom God. in the picture. Wow. There's the there's the movie right there. <laughs> if we're talking about reboots. Yeah, let's do that reboot. It's the Andy Griffith movie. <laughs> how much press are you doing right now? I just, just had two days of press junket. Um... And then I think this is it till the premiere. So it's not too bad. When's the premiere? 22nd. So nice. Pretty soon, yeah. Do you like this part of it? Or is this the part where it's like, oh, I don't well, have to talk about this stuff. I just no, want to make things. This is okay. Yeah. Like, I don't mind this. I met, I met you when we hung out. <laughs> yeah. So I was, I was excited about this. Um, the on-camera stuff is just a little unnatural. You know, you. it's funny you know when you when you start out you never even consider this side of it you know <laughs> it's like it, it it you really have to shift into a a different sort of part of your brain where you're almost turning into a salesman of sorts you right. know um but luckily it's a movie that i, I really like and, right and um so that that's much easier than promoting a movie it's you funny don't that you like say that because it, like most people become performers because they don't want to be salesmen. Yeah, it's like, exactly. You, you're like, no, no, I did this because I don't want to have to go sell stuff and be like, hey, what's it going to take to get you into this uh, thing? Yeah. You know, like, you don't want to do that. And then yet, and yet. A fine print there. Yeah, exactly. And yet, so much of what you have to do surrounding this stuff is exactly that. Or yeah. are they pressuring you to promote? Are they like, hey, can you live? Can you tweet? Can you like, do you do any of that I stuff? Haven't, I haven't had any pressure to to promote via social media 
I think because they probably just know that that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, I haven't been forced into it yet, which is good. But you managed to. I, I, I find when I talk to people, like, and they seem generally happy, and then I go, "Are you on social media?" And they go, "No." And I go, "Oh, that's really an interesting <laughs> correlation." <laughs> I I'll never forget. I was in, in the Austin airport one time. I forget what platform he was working with. Um, but he came up because he was a fan of Friday Night Lights, and he was some sort of a publicist or something, and. Uh, he was like, so where can I find you? You know, Facebook, uh, Twitter, whatever. I was like, no, yeah, I'm not on there. And he looked at me with such confusion and shock. And like he was like scared for me and just like didn't understand it. It's the equivalent of saying to someone like maybe 30 years ago, like, oh, I don't have a telephone. Yeah, I don't. I was like, what? How do you not? Well, I just don't, you know, yeah, I, just don't yeah. Wanna, I don't need to be connected in that way. So when you're going on the internet, what is it that you're doing? Like, what are you engaging with? I, I read the, uh, you know, I have the news apps, that sort of thing. But everyone else that has Instagram or Facebook or whatever, they just know to send me the pictures that I would like to see. So I'm not even missing out, you know? <laughs> like, they know the drill by this point. Um and yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I occasionally look at fuck Jerry and that sort of thing. Sure, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Chuckle. Um, but yeah, I just also realized way back when I first signed up for Facebook, I, there was just this moment where I came to after wasting an hour and a half, and it was just like, what, <laughs> what happened? Where did I go? Yep, and. Just realized like, I, I don't I don't want to spend my time um, being you know sort of in this other world that's not in front of me you know I, it's just so easy to get lost in it and I feel like a lot of Katie can you ask him to stop scraping paint off the door I, I feel like um, a lot of the characters you play too have an immense amount of focus. <laughs> yeah. Todd had a lot of focus. This guy in Game Night has a lot of. I've seen you play <laughs> yeah. a lot of characters that are very focused. Yeah. Do you feel like a focused human being? Um, I can be when I when I want to be or need to be. I mean, I. You know, I, part of what I love most about acting is is the preparation process because you know. It's just still amazes me. Like you wake up and find yourself, you know, for Black Mirror obsessing about William Shatner. God or, damn it, that was so good. Thank you. He was very focused. He was extremely <laughs> focused. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, uh, yeah, I, I enjoy getting lost into um, wherever the part takes me and, and all that. I mean, I'm sure, I'm positive you've talked about this before, but, it, I mean, how much Shatner preparation did you do for USS Callister? I fought it at first, and then we, I got there a, a couple weeks before we started shooting, and we did a script read, and it became obvious that there was no way to not pay some tribute to Shatner. Yeah. Um, and so... The the few weeks leading up to filming, yeah, it was just every night watching. I mean, I, I watched pretty much everything in in two weeks, and and 
found that I really enjoyed it, which I was surprised by because I have some kind of aversion or had some aversion to sci-fi. Oh, you did? Uh, I just, I, I didn't grow up with it. And I, you know, I enjoyed Star Wars and, you know, the big ones, but never really got into it. Um, I watched Westerns as a, as a kid. So it was just not something I sought out, but... Um, I, I have to say, I really, they got something there with that There's Star so, Trek. <laughs> well, I mean, the, it, the, some of them are, well, I think Star Trek is really like a, sort of like a military show in a lot yeah. of ways. But but there are Westerns, like if you watch Firefly, that's a sci-fi space Western. Yeah, you ever yeah. Saw Firefly? You know, there's only like six, seven episodes of it, too. You could burn through that pretty fast. Yeah. But you're in Texas, right? You grew up in Texas? Grew up in Texas, yeah. What part? Not far from, uh, <laughs> well, I'm thinking of the... <laughs> the show now waco oh yeah um yeah my uncle lived like less than a mile away from that complex oh so, really yeah I, I, it's this little town like 20 miles east of waco called mart is where i grew up oh wow like two thousand people one stoplight so i'm guessing Queen. most people do not leave and go off and pursue acting careers not too many no <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, I mean, there's. It, it was. It was kind of looking back, the perfect way to grow up because I started coming out to L.A. when I was probably eleven or twelve. So it was. It was nice to have the extremes of this tiny small town where I went home and, you know, I still had my chores I had to do, and then the next day I would f- find myself in L.A. Um, meeting people that I would never have met, you know, in, in this tiny little town. So it was there was something really nice about it. And I still kind of I still kind of do the same thing I've always done, you know. I I don't really live full time here or there. I'm kind of always back and forth, which oh, that's is, is nice. a good a good setup, yeah. So you you didn't like flip off the fa- uh, fuck you guys. I'm getting out of no, I need more no. than one street light. No, no. Yeah, I, I have much more appreciation now than I than I did then, and I always, uh, you know, I mean, it was such a small town that you know I had forty kids in my graduating class, so there was something, something really nice about the fact that there weren't enough kids to really be assholes to one another. <laughs> like you, you couldn't be too clicky because you wouldn't have any friends. You yeah, know? And, so ever, was, and you're you're super accountable to everyone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You get into any trouble, everyone knows about it. But then it's also sure. that, that cause I'm from the South, too, but not like that. I mean, I, I'm, from a, I'm from Memphis, so there was a, it was a larger city, but there was still that sort of small town mentality of, uh, you know, uh, who do you think you are? You know, oh, like you totally. can't yeah. get away with anything because people will clamor out of their way to make sure you remember like yeah you're not fucking better than anyone so just shut the fuck up exactly yeah every time i would come back from la you know i would come out here to audition (laughs) and i would get back to school and all my friends would ask so what what movies did you do plural (laughs) no i just auditioned for i didn't do anything (laughs) oh i did like nine movies like three days yeah you just uh, whatever between the airport and the hotel, shot a couple. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's really sweet, though. I mean, it, it, and I think it's, 
I think it's always important for people to have because it's. I'm sure it's so easy to just get lost in whatever it is out here. So to have a home base and to feel kind of grounded and to feel like a, you know you have a safe space to go to. Yeah, definitely. And Austin is kind of, um, which is where I live now. Uh, it's kind of the perfect in between of the two. You know, it's a big enough. It's a big enough city, but it, it's also you can drive. 10 minutes and get out of the city which is nice yeah austin has austin has become a very metropolitan city and i've i've been going there for years and watched it happen over the last 10 years of like oh yeah you can't really afford to live like in downtown austin anymore it's gotten really nuts it has yeah but it's such a great any town that's sort of built around a state school just has a great vibe Mm because there's you know there's a lot of creative energy and there's a lot of people doing new stuff and you know and especially because austin is so antithetical to the rest of texas i think i mean at least the center of it is i know you don't have to go out far out the loop to you know to feel the rest of texas but austin itself is does not feel quite like the rest of texas no which is okay (laughs) Um, and it's this kind of catch-all for all of the freaks in the best way possible yeah 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 it's uh i mean i i remember when i first first moved to austin for friday night lights and went to uh went to acl it was the first time i had seen a full-blown hippie and i didn't know they still existed oh yeah i was so excited oh yeah 18 years old and um it's just yeah there's a lot happening there and they keep it weird good people and yeah great music i love it do you think you're gonna raise your kids in primarily in texas or are you gonna keep them away from la as much as possible or both there's no way to to completely keep them away from la i mean luckily we've got a little bit of time to figure that out but we're we're thinking austin yeah so i'm not sure yet but that's that's what we're thinking do you have a good everyone has a different answer but barbecue people like franklin that fucking barbecue truck yeah but is there like what is the definitive austin barbecue experience i I think for the full even beyond full austin experience the full texas barbecue experience is the big salt lake uh, oh salt lake yeah yeah which is just like an amusement park of barbecue (laughs) it's enormous (laughs) it's great yeah um but there's there's a ton there and actually um surprisingly enough some of the best sushi i've ever had in my life in austin this place uchi and they have a, a place called uchiko but it's I mean, like last meal worthy. It's ridiculously good. So next time, go to Uchi. Or it is Uchiko. funny. It's, sometimes people in LA go, well, "I'm not going to get sushi in Texas. There's not even close to." And I go, "Yeah, don't." Then. None of the sushi in LA comes from the ocean right here. You know <laughs> yeah. that, right? It's flown in. Like, yeah, none of it comes from here. I don't. Yeah. Wouldn't need anything that came out of this fucking water no, right no. here. No. Uh, Uchi. Okay, that those are good. Those are good recommendations because yeah. Austin is becoming. Again, it's. I think I must have performed in like five festivals one year that had like comedy stages, and it 
there is a festival almost every weekend. I mean, do you see, is, is the Austin bubble going to burst at any point, or do you still feel like Austin is in a rapid growth phase? Um, at some point, it's, it's got to level out, I would hope. But yeah, I mean, right now, you look downtown and there are probably eight or nine cranes <laughs> up <laughs> at once. Um, but even with the growth, there are still the areas that have the same sort of charm uh, as when I first moved out there. Um, yeah. So you can still you can still find it, um, but I hope eventually it, it levels out. I just want to tell a slightly embarrassing story, which which okay. I apologize for. Not for me. I mean, it might be embarrassing to you, but it was oh. an amazing moment. Had you ever been to? S- I met you at no, no, SNL. No. Yeah, it was my first time. It was my first time too of like actually going and watching a show, uh, and it was insane. Did it exceed your expectations? Yeah, yeah. I I want to go back. Um. So. When we were there, they let us kind of walk out onto the floor and watch the monologue, which is, it's just crazy to see it from that vantage point. Mm-hmm. So, it's a, that place is a living museum, that studio. And Steven Spielberg was there. And we were like, oh my God, Steven Spielberg's here. And you're like, hi, Steven. And you guys fucking knew each other, of course, because you've worked together before. But what it, like, Little Texas Jesse. You're like, someday I'm going to be on the set of SNL and I'm going to go say hi to Spielberg and he's going to know who I am because we're going to have worked together. Do you ever think of things in those terms of like, did I die at some point? Is my life, my life is so surreal or do you just not think of things in that manner? None of it makes any sense (laughs) and hasn't for a while, (laughs) but uh, just keep going. (laughs) Um, no, I. The only way I, I know how to put it is, I you know I started acting when I was pretty young, and when I got Friday Night Lights, it was the first time where it actually clicked that hey I might actually be able to do this as a career, and I had so much fun on that show, and I just didn't have a timeline for it. All I cared about was just working enough to support myself and. Whatever happens, happens. Um, obviously, you know, I, I then would have loved to have worked with the directors I've had the chance to work with, but I never imagined it uh, would happen this soon. You know, it, it's it's beyond surreal, and uh, yeah, I feel very, very lucky, and I still don't quite know how it happened but <laughs> apparently it did but your characters have so much presence there's so much presence in those characters and obviously that comes from you but what is it i mean what are you sort of putting into these characters are you drawing on stuff that's in you or are you approximating like what you think they want like how are you how are you approaching these these different guys i think both you you can only really use what you have um but like i was saying earlier you, i even in even in school um i feel like part of the reason why um i've been fortunate enough to get on some of these great shows and movies is i feel like i'm my best when i'm my most interested in what i'm doing i mean i remember god auditioning for some like Disney shows when I was younger and like 
<laughs> his casting director. <laughs> his casting director looked at me uh, sort of similar to how that guy in the airport looked at me after I finished the scene with just like shock and confusion. It's like, um, yeah, we're going to need some more energy here. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> the same with commercials. Like, I'll never forget my last commercial audition when I called my agent and said, that's it, no more. You can't do this anymore. It was for uh, corn dogs, and we were supposed to... Microwavable corn dogs, <laughs> and we were supposed to be watching the corn dog in the microwave and talking to it like a dog, like, good boy, that's it, roll over, <gasps> good boy, roll over. And I walked out and never auditioned for another one again. And you went and got corn dogs. Yeah. Because corn dogs are good. They are great. The commercial audition process is is a very specific... That takes a specific muscle. Because you have to... You have to be able to sort of push the shame aside that you're feeling. Because (laughs) that is just like ultra salesman mode. You must have done it, right? I did it for... I, I I I had the same exact experience with commercial auditions. And where at a certain point I called and I was like, I can't do these anymore because I don't have the constitution for them. And I feel sorry and snobby for saying, and I was not at a point where I could afford to do that. I wasn't either. But I just sort of felt like this is, there's something about this that does not feel good to my soul. And I know that there are people who are better at it. Exactly. And I know that there are people who can walk in and talk to a corn dog in a microwave exactly the way it should (laughs) be talked to. And I have this sort of, you know, this sort of comic cynicism where I, I'm, I'm more inclined to make fun of how dumb that is. And that's very hard to put. And it makes me not, you know, I, I also have difficulty getting excited about things that I don't like. And I'm super yeah. excited about stuff I do. But, yeah, it was I, I, the, the audition for me where I had that was. They're like, okay, so you're in your bedroom, and there's this superhero poster on the wall, and then all of a sudden he just peels himself out of the poster and just walks across the room, and then you got to react to that. Go, and I'm like, I would shit blood. What are you talking? Like the reality of that. Like I didn't know how to be like, whoa, oh, whoa. Like I didn't know how to do like the because what just, they want in commercial auditions is whoa, and just I just run like head yeah, first into the wall. Like, that's that's what I would have done. You just slash your own throat. (laughs) Nothing is real. You know, like I'm in the matrix. Yeah. It just, but the process and then, and also it's very, uh, it's very humbling when you walk into a room and see 30 dudes who look just like you. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, okay. I'm not special. I don't have anything extra to, and I'm feeling bad about not getting jobs. I didn't want to get in the first place. Uh, Yeah. So I completely understand. <laughs> I completely understand where you're coming from. But what was it? Do you, or did you just sort of pick and choose theatrical auditions, or did you really just kind of go up for everything and just cross your fingers that you'd get good stuff? No, I, I auditioned for pretty much everything for a long time, and uh, you know, after Friday Night Lights, it was uh, sort of a shock to all of a sudden find myself back in the real world because that show was just an anomaly, especially for a network show, the amount of freedom that they gave us, how much fun it was. Aside from season two when the network tried to sort of amp up the drama. Sure. 
um, <laughs> to put it mildly. Um, but I, I think, like I was saying, I, I, there was a little bit of luck involved because, you know, I, my best auditions were the ones that I was excited about because, um, because uh, you know, it didn't feel like work to get excited about it. Yeah. Um, and I, when I auditioned for Breaking Bad... It had been months and months since I had gone on an audition that I really cared about. And the scene, I hadn't even seen the show, but the scene was so interesting. And it was a dummy scene, like something they wrote just for the audition. And I didn't even care. I was just like, thank God. I, after the audition, it was fun. And then I got the call, then I got it and was on a plane. The character's name was Paul at the time or in the audition and so i was on the plane reading the script looking for paul <laughs> and no one told me but i eventually figured out oh i guess i'm todd <laughs> <laughs> well that show in particular was so good at at exploring the depth of characters and also playing with the notion of whatever you think you can judge about what this character looks like is not at all who they are and that was so much his because you know his his soul was really creepy. They could have just cast a creepy looking dude and then like been really on the nose about it. But they cast like you with this really kind of sweet all American face and then and again, as you're peeling back the layers, like this is a heavily damaged individual <laughs> and you don't know, you know, just like with the fucking ringtone of Lydia's ringtone, like all of those layers when you started unpacking Todd, he's a fascinatingly complex character. Yeah. What do you think was his deal? What was his goal? Like, what did he ultimately want? To be somebody. He wanted to be somebody. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And I, I've thought about, you know, how, and it's interesting. The first half of the season that I came in on, I forget if it was five or six. Um, I mean, I was totally in the dark because I was uh, just a recurring character and so I was getting the scripts a few days in advance and I got there and you know marathoned the entire uh, show and was meeting Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul like in the thick of watching it and other than the audition scene which was a military setting and the first episode, I had no idea who this guy was, <laughs> none whatsoever. And I would corner all of the writers and try and pump them for information. And they wouldn't give me anything, but they looked at me as if I were Todd. <laughs> so it, it was a really, the first half of the season, I mainly felt like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like Vince Gilligan gave me a few sentences of direction before I had to shoot the kid on the uh, dirt bike. But that was it. And then um, when Uncle Jack came in, I, it started to become a little bit more fun. Just uh, There was just more to kind of hold on to. But I always kind of envisioned Todd's childhood a little bit like... Um, you remember the ATM episode with the with the little kid? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I think <laughs> you Todd think didn't it. just happen, you that, know. That he was a me- he was like a product of like a weird meth family, or like I a, mean, had to had to have been. Yeah, that that single he was just mother a tightly wound protective. Uh, yeah, there's there was a lot going on there. Well, because he, you know, again, it, when he has a scene where he shoots a kid on the bike, there there are a million ways that I think other people might have played that of like to go crazy or to act crazy but he's just so calm and matter of fact about well this is just you know this is just what he does what just has to be he does what has to be done even if it's the most horrific thing yeah did I ever tell you those two sentences that Vince Gilligan told me so I go up to him and ask him how how do I do this Um, and he in his way said you know when you're driving and uh, you see a, a raccoon uh, in the road, and if you swerve to the right, you go into the ditch. If you swerve to the left, you hit the car. So, what do you do? <laughs> so, okay, <laughs> I'll I'll go with that. <laughs> well, Todd just and, runs over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, because that's that's what that's what he feels so, like needs to be yeah. done. So it was it was very, you know, there wasn't much, but it did kind of inform the way I played it from then on. Yeah. And with Fargo, was that... I mean, you must have known that that was going to be, like, really a great... That that was going to be a juicy... Were you a fan of the show? It's it's so sad to say, but all these shows I came into (laughs) so late, right before I started. (laughs) I think it actually might be a good... I think it might be sort of a good luck thing... Or it's like, oh my god, I haven't watched this. This might be really good. I might need yeah. to get into this. All of those shows were shows that all my friends had been telling me I had to watch. That one included, and um, yeah, it was it was something that I I sort of had the same feelings as I did when I heard they were making Friday Night Lights into a show. And I thought that seems like a terrible idea, <laughs> and. Um, and then I watched the first season and thought it was great. Thought they achieved the impossible by really capturing the Coen Brothers' world. Um, and I just thought that it would be a lot. Just the way they shot it seemed really exciting as an actor because they really kind of give you some space. And it's rare to, especially for television, to find shows where they really let it play sometimes in one shot Mm -hmm. you know um so then it it almost feels like a play or something and you really get to kind of experiment and have fun without doing a ton of different setups and sometimes you know they did but it was it was a lot of fun and just great great writing do you i find it can be difficult sometimes particularly with acting because i think people think especially when they first start out like if they don't feel like they're doing something, I mean, I think that's where a lot of like big obnoxious choices comes from. Come from is because people think like, "Well, I got to do something. If I don't feel like I'm doing something, then I'm not really acting." And you know, you find I, you know, I find that some of the best people just seem effortless. It's like they're not trying to do anything. Mm. They're just sort of being. They're just sort of being. Everyone in life is just trying to keep it together. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I, people are way more complex than than stereotypes, you know. Right. Well, then, how do you? 
do you do you ever have like a when you first read something do you have like an initial like oh if I were going to play the sort of obvious take on this it'd be this so I'm going to scoot that out of the way and kind of figure out like how to really get into this um I don't I don't know it just seems um I guess instinctual and and I, I try not to to judge it or think about what I'm going to do un- until I've really sat with it long enough um but it's 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 kind of different every time and you just keep at it until you find your way into it that seems to be most exciting for yeah. you to play you know um but no I don't think I really I really think of the obvious choice. I'm, um, I don't know. <laughs> well, you, because you, I, I, I think, I get the sense, you and your fiance are both sort of in the same realm where it's like you just seem to pick and choose really awesome things that you're excited about. Like, I don't ever get the sense when I watch either one of you, like, ah, I think they just took that because it was a job, you know? It always seems like, oh, they think they really cared about this thing that they were doing. And that can be a very scary and difficult thing to do in a business where you have you cannot predict what's coming down the pipeline. So do you do you agree with that? Or and, and are, or would you be willing, like, if you weren't excited about something for, like, a year or two, would you go, well, I'm just not going to work if I'm not excited about anything? Oh, until I have to. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying never, you know. But um, as long as I can... As long as I, I mean, I can't believe that um, in the last however many years I'm primarily working on projects that I'm really excited about. I mean, and and I think part of it is because I, you know, I've been at it for such a long time and auditioned for so many things that I didn't like that, yeah, if I have the, the chance to do something I want to do, that's what I'm going to do. Right. Um, and that being said... You know, going back to game night, it's like I I'm, I don't shut anything off and say no, I'm not going to do that. It all just depends on the project and the people involved. And game night was something that I didn't expect, and then read it and just immediately knew I wanted to do it. So, yeah. Do you ever have a thing in the back of your head where you go like, ah, oh, if it all. Yeah, if it's not funny more, I can, I'll just go back and be a farmer. Like, I'll just go back to Texas. And I mean, I, I have skill sets from, you know, growing up in the town. Again, I could, you know, I could always know I could just go do that if I decided to run away from everything else. Uh, yeah, I, I have had that thought before, probably. <laughs> um, I mean, I have seriously had that thought before. But um, I know I, I, there's something uh, that, that I love too much about it um like i was saying earlier just it it, it's difficult to get to get bored with it because it's always something new um and you never stop learning so and and you know it's exciting as i as i go on the prospect of developing and you know putting a team together and Getting getting on that side of of things, so 
I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't need to do it all the time, but I, it, it does fulfill something that I, I really enjoy. I mean, I, I, I am constantly fascinated by the idea that, <clears throat> you know, people who love acting, it's one of the things you actually, when you really break it down, you spend a very small amount of time actually, actually doing, doing it. it. Yeah. There's a lot of waiting. There's a lot of traveling. There's a lot of sitting in trailers. And all that, but the actual like, all right, and action. Like yeah. that's does not constitute a lot of your day. Yeah. So it is interesting to pursue this thing that you maybe actually, if you put it all together, really do for like, 15 minutes, you know, in a day, maybe, when, when, you, when yeah. the cameras are actually rolling. No, you're right. There, There is a, a lot of sitting around and waiting. Um, and, you know, that that being said, that was what was so unusual and wonderful about Friday Night Lights is there was, uh, we moved so quickly and there were no rehearsals. Um you know, we would do a three-page scene in 30 minutes. Oh, my God. And leave and not feel like we didn't get it, you know? Um, and so, it, yeah, sometimes it's it's not as tedious, but most times it definitely is. Do you miss the regularity of a telev- of a series? Or do you sort of like not being tied to something? I enjoy both. If you're, if you're really passionate about it, it's, it's great. Um, and that one, I was... Um, I, I like, I like both. Um, but it is, you, you do really, when you're on a series or even a a mini series like Fargo and you're spending every day with the crew, it is different than a movie because you, you, obviously you're spending more time with each other and, um, yeah, you develop maybe a, a deeper connection with the people you're working with. So you can walk around and go, don't ever look me in the eye. I'm, yeah, exactly. I'm the star of this. Don't. I, you're not supposed to make sure your head is lower than mine. Exactly. I eat first. You know, that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. You got it. <laughs> yep. You're such a nice guy. I can't ever imagine, like, <laughs> the Jesse Plemons meltdown. Like, I don't think we're ever going to see that <sighs> pop up on Facebook or circulate on YouTube. Oh, God, my, my grandma would be the first to know. She's... Um, oh, no. She's... The oldest or the longest subscriber to National Enquirer in Texas. Yeah. And so she's always so nervous. She's like, please don't show up. Don't (laughs) show up. That's still a thing? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. She has a subscription. She's, yeah, longest standing. uh, Yeah. That is quite an accomplishment. Don't you feel like you're going to have to... I feel like at a certain point you're just gonna have to call the inquirer people and be like, "Can you just throw me in one? Just, <laughs> just, it, for just as a joke, just yeah. for her. Come on, just for her. I'm the father of the bat child. How about that? You know the bat child who escaped. I, that just say to say that I'm him or something. Yeah, that would be good. Actually. <laughs> well, I, I always, even though some of the characters that you play are, I mean, they're you know their motivations are not great always. Maybe a little selfish in some cases. But there's always a humanity, like even with the Callister episode of Black Mirror, like you, you really empathized to a, at a certain point. Obviously, you're like, okay, this guy's way off the deep end as as it starts to get creepier and creepier. But but there is a real, you know, it, again, it's it's just not playing a character like this character is bad. It's like 
you know, finding the humanity in these guys and and making people understand, like, you know, people are complex. No one's really all all bad or all good. Mm-hmm. Well, that episode I found really interesting because, like a lot of Black Mirror episodes, you don't really know how to feel at the end. <laughs> but with him, I don't know. There's a, there's a part of me that thinks well so what changes in the office you know i mean well daily's still hooked up to the game but right um someone one of the crew members came up to me at the rap party when we finished and and said i was bullied in school and this means so much to me so there is that too sure you know um and like i was saying that people don't just just pop up and all of a sudden they're sinister and evil uh you know there it's a progression um so yeah i i i went through different phases with with daily where i thought yeah he has it coming to him but then by the end i don't i don't i don't know how to feel about it <laughs> yeah i mean he is basically in an eternal prison yeah he just he needed to talk to someone. <laughs> he <laughs> he just... needed a shrink. <laughs> well, Badly. he obviously was he obviously was taken advantage of and pushed around and didn't really wasn't really able to kind of speak up for himself in life and maybe held down for a lot of reasons and, and you just know angry. Just 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 like a, on the verge of exploding with with anger, which is something that I think a lot of people deal with and and try and keep at bay well also and then sort of the ethical questions like well you know these characters he created they're not really real Real. he's created this sort of virtual world however and that and i never thought of it that way but you're right that is black mirror you you don't know how you're supposed to feel at the end of each episode you're like oh yay (laughs) or no i don't know how and and that that is that is especially in in that episode because he, he he should get some punishment yeah but maybe maybe not that maybe not that punishment yeah like that's a pretty permanent that's a his <laughs> pretty permanent that's pretty permanent yeah I don't know I think we need to see uh, I would hope that Black Mirror at some point would go okay we're gonna go back and like show some codas to some of these stories and find out like is that really it or what happens to him i mean it's the fact that they i mean it is a connected universe but yeah, they that don't last episode but they don't always they don't really acknowledge always that there's some sort of a thing it's just like well this is just kind of a you know i still watch twilight zone pretty almost every night when i'm trying to fall asleep i'll, I'll put a twilight zone on and there's nothing that's connected about those, about any of those stories, really. They're just, oh, these are sort of individuals. But Black Mirror, Charlie has definitely suggested, well, this is all yeah. a part of a thing without saying that. Mm-hmm. Especially with the uh, Black Museum. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Episode, yeah. Especially with Black Museum. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I don't know. At a certain point, I wonder if he's going to have to say, like, all right, this is what this is, and these are all connected, and here are all these characters, and this is what happened. Because it is, it, it, I mean, at the end of it, it, 
it's not too far off. It's it, the, there are so many stories that are so close to like, yeah, we're almost kind of there. Yeah. <laughs> we're kind of there right now. The nosedive episode from uh, season two or three with um, Bryce Dallas Howard. Oh yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. The, the, the economy of likes and the, I had to pause and take a break <laughs> when I was watching that one because it felt Way too, way too near. Oh, a hundred percent. Because we, like, if part of what makes us human is this sort of, and I think what drives people a lot of the time is the sort of need for significance in some way to connect with mm-hmm. other people and to be significant in some way, which biologically makes sense because you know if you had an imperative to pass your genes down, you would need to feel significant so that your genes would prevail and your DNA would, you know? And so if that's part of the thing that makes us keep going, it's also the thing that can be crippling to us because it is a weakness to need to be significant in some way. It's a, it is, it is a huge weakness. Yes, but it's also just human, human nature. You know, I I feel like maybe not with, with everyone, but a, large part of of you know um people across the world i feel like i have enormous dreams and aspirations and if they didn't uh, you know there would be a lot less uh you know of of everything so yeah i know but this but the but the likes and the the shares and the I think it's well that's different it's yeah, that, activating that's... a certain part of our brain that feels like it's really accomplishing something but it's it's it can ultimately be kind of an empty an really an empty pursuit and I that is one of the reasons yeah, that was so great about that episode of like yeah we're just we're just obsessing over the wrong shit oh, I sort of forgot that's what we were talking about when I said that but yes <laughs> <laughs> just just trying to grasp onto something positive but yeah I, I have I do not understand that that whatsoever the I mean especially with kids like just being conditioned and trained and wired to care so much about likes it, it, it's no one ever talks about this. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to tell? I mean, it's, you know, I think my wife and I are probably a year away from having a kid, and you're months away at this months, point. Yeah. So, are, are you even trying to take any of that on right now? Or are you like, well, I guess I'll just have to figure it out as it comes up? Because obviously, kids don't want to be left out. So, if their friends are like, well, they're doing all this stuff, like, how do you balance it out? Well, and, and you also have to hold yourself more accountable, too, because they. You know, I, I my uh, my house in Austin. I live with one of my best friends and her five year old. So I've had some practice, you know, at least being the uncle, um, just watching her develop. And she's such a great kid. Um, but it is they are you know reflections of you. And they, and so if, if you're on the phone all day, <laughs> why is it surprising that? that they're drawn to it, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is, it is something that I obviously have thought about, but yeah, you figure it out as you go along, I guess. I guess. I mean, I know that people have always done that and they're, you know, that, that under no matter what circumstances humans do, you know, thrive and people do figure it out. But, but it does seem, it does seem like now more than ever of, 
you know, it, of course, in the old days, it's like, hey, don't go into the woods. There's wolves, you know. And then now, it, but it's just like now there's all these psychological wolves. Like, how do you how do you protect, but then let them take risks and grow, but not shelter them too much, but then shelter uh-huh. them just enough? And do I have, honestly don't do know. Kids? Not yet, not but yet. We're, we've been married about a year and a half, so we're 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 not too far away from making a human. I think. Yeah, that that is the scariest part. Well, I mean, it's all scary. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. Are you yeah. a stressy person? Do you stress a lot, or are you pretty good at being calm? I've got my I've got my moments where I can stress out, but I'm slowly getting better. Maybe good, good, yeah, good. Yeah, I, I feel like I am. I just don't want to be the type of parent where I'm like, why are you sniffling? What's wrong? No, oh, my God. No. We have to get you to a doctor. Like, I, cause then that just fucks a kid up because yeah. then they're never. But then how do you, you, know, how do you, how do you know what's the balance between being involved and concerned and then just not being a helicopter parent where you're like, over here, Joshua, over here. Come here, Joshua. Oh, don't uh, Joshua. You know. I try to take mental notes when I see other parents in restaurants. Don't do that. (laughs) It's usually don't do that. Don't (laughs) do that. Don't do that. But you just, you know, but once you're there, you just don't know. Like, maybe it's not so easy to not do that. Yeah. I just know. Kids need to get dirty. (laughs) Yeah. they Absolutely. Absolutely. You just get a farm. Yeah. Let them run around the farm. Yeah. Are you preparing? Are you reading any books? Are you reading any? Are you talking to friends? I feel like it's dangerous to talk to friends because they never have like the friends are always like, oh, my God. And then they got this crazy ear infection and then this happened and then don't let them do this. Like, does anyone ever go like, yeah, it's going to be fine? Uh, yeah. Yeah. My my friend in Austin, um, you know, it, it's been really encouraging to watch her become a mother and to see how kind of it's obviously not easy but there's a lot of it that that seems to be common sense you know and like i was saying you know they are a reflection of yourself so you it seems like it's inevitable to do some self-reflection there and it, it it's changed her as a person you know for the better um so I, we definitely have friends that we trust that that we can call and um, that aren't just judging <laughs> everything that we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, as we're sort of winding this down, when, uh, when does game night come out? Do you know? 23rd? 23rd. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and John Daly was one of the directors on that, right? Yeah. From Freaks and Geeks. Yeah. He's great. I know. I love that guy. Oh, my God. Yeah. The cast is amazing. Uh, it's you and Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams and Kyle Chandler. Kyle Chandler, yeah. Uh, which you you did you had a little bit of interaction with him in the movie. Of, in in the movie, yeah. yeah. Of, he looked at me a few times. Basically, <laughs> was that just a complete coincidence that you guys both ended up? Yeah, that was that was the director's idea, and yeah, when I heard uh, about the choice for him to play Bateman's brother. It's like that. That's perfect. Yeah, it really works. Yeah. So that comes out February twenty third. And then, uh, is there anything else you want to plug or promote or anything? Oh, there's one I wish I could, but I can't yet. Um, oh, sorry. God damn it. <laughs> um, I don't think so. Um, no. Then maybe as we're wrapping this out, <clears throat> would you be willing to just give that one that you weren't able to do at the time, just one? really excited read about a corn dog 
in a microwave. You were going to say that. Yeah, I mean, the people want it. And who knows? Maybe this could really wake up Big Corn Dog to throw piles of money at you. Okay. Here we go, boy. Good boy. Roll over. Roll over, boy. Oh, oh, good boy. Cut. You got wow. the job. Damn. You got the job. Damn. Corn dogs for life. Good. Enjoy your corn dog, everyone. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Jesse. Thanks, man. ID 10T scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito.